1: So here's
2: what they said. The 200 of you? You're too tired to go with this? Whatever. Fine. Thanks for staying back and watching our supplies and things like that. But we fought all day. You get your wife and your kids back. We're keeping all the plunder. Where does that come from? It comes from a selfish heart. God protect us. Protect us. Verse 23. David replied, uh-uh, uh-uh. No more, brothers. You must not do that with, underline these words, what the Lord has given us. See, David's back in tune with God.
0: Have you ever worked with someone who liked to take credit for a project they didn't do much work on? That can be terribly frustrating. It tends to make for a bad work environment if it goes on for too long. Well, it seems that some in David's army accused the other part of their army of this very thing. Pastor Mark will be teaching about David's having returned to acknowledging God's providential working in his life and the lives of his men. David will point out the truth of the matter that God provides everything, and as a result will extend grace to those who may not seem to deserve it. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 28 as he continues in his series called The Life of David.
2: So if you and I are going to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, that is not something we do periodically. That is something we do as a regular, biblical, spiritual habit. It just has to become part of your life. Don't be condemned. Many of you have gotten away from it. You used to do it. And you remember when you did it. It was wonderful. And you might say, well, Pastor Mark, you and Pastor Dave and Pastor Dean and Mr. Bo and all that. You do that because you got to study and teach next weekend. Yes, we do. That is a great stimulus. I'll just make you all pastors, and you'll always have a great quiet time. (laughs) But it has to be more than that because that's where we get the strength and the wisdom to do life. We can't do it alone. So David, when he got to the bottom... I mean, where is he going to go? He has no army. They're going to stone him. He has no wife. He has no kids. He has nothing. He can't go to the Philistines. They'll kill him instantly. can't go to Israel. They know where he's been staying. Saul's still after him. But what does he do? He goes to the Lord. He strengthens himself in the Lord. Finally, David begins to look up. David found strength. In the Lord is God. What did that mean? What does it mean to find strength? Look at the verse again. What does it mean to find strength in the Lord is God? It means that he no longer is finding strength in who? Himself. So let me ask you a question. This is a tough teaching, isn't it? But it's a good teaching. It's good for all of us. Who are you finding strength in? Yourself or God? God. David finally began to realize that he could not operate successfully without God. Now, here's a tragedy. After 16 months of compromise and disobedience, he finally looks up to God and asks for help. The tragedy is it took so long and it hurt so many people. See, that's why you have to pray for the pastors. Because the leaders are taking people from here to there. And if we get off, we'll hurt so many people. That's always in the back of my mind. God, protect me. Keep me. Help me. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to lead them astray. Well, let me just ask you a question. When's the last time you asked God the very same thing David was asking God? God, what do you want me to do? Hopefully, it's been often this week. God... What do you want me to do? You say, well, Pastor Mark, why does God allow David to do these things? Well, I already gave you a key because he allows us to do the same thing. When David came to the end of himself, there was God. When the prodigal son came to his senses. That's what I pray for prodigals. You can't bring a person to the end of their senses. You can't bring a person to the end of their habits, their drugs, their alcohol, their life. You can't bring a person. They have to come to the end. We use the term, they have to hit bottom. You can't bring them to the bottom. I'd like to bring it. And so when, when they come to the bottom, they'll come to their senses. And if they have background from you as children or in a church or a friend, they'll know who to turn to. And they're going to turn to God. So what? God will often use discouragement to bring us to our knees. You think David's on his knees to God? He's on his knees to God. That's a good place to be. Because what? It's humbling. It's humbling. When's the last time you and I have been on our knees in prayer before God? It's humbling. It's necessary. God, you're worthy. Well, Verse 7, then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, basically he's going to pray through through the priest, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I ever overtake them? So now he's asking God for wisdom. Let me give you the Balmer translation of God responding to him. You ready? And God says to David, why should I answer you? You haven't talked to me in 16 months. You have been living a compromised life full of deceit and lies. Now, David, if you'll show me for the next three months that you're really sorry and truly repented, come back to me 90 days and I'll give you an answer. How would you respond to David if you were God? Why do you think I call that the Balmer Translation? Now, don't look at me funny. How would you respond to it? Oh, now you want my help. Any of you parents of teenagers? Now you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now you want my help. No, David went in obedience to God. By the way... This is the first time that David understood this again. Just write it down. Doing life without God never works, period. Just doesn't work. He finally got it. He goes, whoa, what has been wrong with me? Now I remember I can't do life without God. Where can I go from your presence? There's God. He's there. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. So he did go to God in the right way. David sought God with the help of the priests. You know, the Urim and the Thrum, that part of the priest's ephod, that that pouch that he wore or that vest that he wore that had the pouch in there with those two little stones, one light, one dark, kind of the yes and no from God. Again, we do that differently today because we have the Holy Spirit. But David was once again talking to and listening to, and then he's going to obey God. So notice what happens. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? And God doesn't say, well, I'll give you an answer in 90 days. Look what God says. Pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Here's what I wrote after I read that. It's never too late to start doing right. It's never too late to start doing right. I'm so glad. You see, David has learned this huge lesson. And we find this all through the Bible. The prodigal is another one. Jonah is another one. Sometimes, you know what, we can write people off ourselves, And we look at them and go, well, look at their lifestyle. They're far from God. Forget it. There's just no hope with them. Don't do that tonight. There's always hope with God. We'll see the heart of God so much. Don't write people off. Today, we have God's word and the Holy Spirit to lead us. Different than the ephod. God, we just go to him. He'll give us an answer just as clearly as he gave David. He says, David, pursue him. Not only pursue him, you'll not only catch up. You're going to win. You're a seed. And David doesn't even know what that means. It's wonderful we know that I know tonight. You know tonight. We have a God who wants to lead us. We have a God who wants to guide us. And by the way, we have a God who knows what is going to happen tomorrow. And so that's what he leads us to. He knows the future and the outcome. Remember what we were challenging? You know this verse very well. Jeremiah 33. Three, call to me and I will answer you. And tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Call to God. Call out to God. Tomorrow, get on your knees if you need to. And say, God, I've been far from you. I haven't talked to you in a long time. I haven't been like David, but I've just, I just been doing life by myself. And God will speak to you. He's a gracious God. Verse 9. And David and the 600 men with him came to Besor, Ravine, where some stayed behind. Now, remember, they just traveled. How many? three days by foot, 75 miles on your feet. Those of us that walk a mile or two a day, there you go. For 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine, but David and 400 men continued the pursuit. So these 200 kept the supplies behind because they know they wouldn't be too far, and they're just physically and emotionally exhausted. Well, as they're moving along, look at verse 11. They found an Egyptian in the field. And brought him to David. And they gave him water to drink and food to eat. And part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. That was their healthy some kind of a snack food, you know. I mean, it was it was really good. It was really neat. It was it was healthy. It wasn't like a what's the one that we had that lasts forever? The Twinkie. This was a healthy Twinkie. This was a healthy Twinkie. He ate it and was revived. For he had not eaten any food. How, who answered that too, too quickly then, that Twinkie? <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, we'll move on. Lord Protector tonight. Cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. And he ate it and was revived. For he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. And David asked him, to whom do you belong and where do you come from? He said, I'm an Egyptian slave of the Malachite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. How about that? We raided the Negev of the Karathites, and the territory belonged to Judah and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag. Of course, he doesn't know where they're from. David asked him, Can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, Here's my condition. Swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master and I'll take you down to them. Now, let me ask you a question. Who put this Egyptian in the exact road that David was taking? Another coincidence. No. There's no coincidences with God. God doesn't wake up tomorrow and go, whoops. The steps... Of a righteous man, David's asked forgiveness, ordered by the Lord. Yeah, but David hasn't proved his... Well, he hasn't really proved his... David's asked forgiveness and God forgave him. That's hard to understand, isn't it? God immediately answered him. He immediately answered him, gave him the truth. And he didn't just immediately answer him. He's arranging the steps to fulfill what he prophesied. You will succeed. So here's this Egyptian... And I think you and I have to remember in the background how many times we, we look and we think there's accidents or, or that just happened by accident. It didn't happen by accident. God is arranging. He's always in the background of your life tonight, in my life. And he's arranging circumstances on all kinds of things so that we can be useful in accomplishing what he wants. Always. I don't know if even David understands this, but this is exactly what's happening. God placed this Egyptian slave right in the path of David so he could lead them to the enemy they were pursuing. Remember Philip when he was having the great revival? Next thing is, he finds out in the desert, and there's the Ethiopian eunuch. God directed it immediately. It wasn't coincidence. Exactly what he wanted, because he heard the prayer of the Ethiopian eunuch eunuch who was confused he'd been to jerusalem couldn't get it philip went took that back to africa well look at verse 16 he led david down and there they were the enemy army scattered over the countryside eating drinking and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the philistines and from judah so they're there they're partying they've won There's nobody around, they don't think, and they're done. But David fought them. Now, just think about it. Stop for a moment. How long would it take David in that wilderness from here to Timbuktu to find this army on his own? No no planes flying over to find him. Can you imagine? Out in that, that wilderness forever. Right to him. God. God. And David fought from dusk until evening of the next day. And none of them got away, except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. That must have been a great picture. David recovered, circle the word in your Bible, everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else that had been taken. And David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and the herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. This is amazing. God gives David, shortly after he's forgiven, even more than what he promised. He just didn't say, you're going to get it all. He gave him excess from the battle. Everything that these people had taken from the other cities, David took it all back. So he goes back home with more than he ever started. Expect, you got it. I mean, he, to find his wife's alive, he's ecstatic. But to go back one more than you started with, please write this down, God often gives us more than expected. Amen. Amen. You can't outgive God. Does David deserve any of this? No. grace, grace. Grace, grace, and more grace. I mean, in the in the wildest imagination, David's hoping to see the people saved. But he doesn't just get that. Everything that was taken, he gets it back. Everything. People. And God tops it off. Verse 21. Then David came to the two hundred men who had been left too exhausted to follow him or left behind in basor ravine. And they came out to meet David and the people with him. As David and his men approached, he greeted them. But all the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers, so the other 400, you're going to see the old sin nature come up, said, because they did not go out with us, we will not share with them the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children to go. So here's what they said. The 200 of you, you're too tired to go with this, whatever. Fine, thanks for staying back and watching our supplies and things like that. But we fought all day. You get your wife and your kids back, we're keeping all the plunder. Where does that come from? It comes from a selfish heart. God protect us, protect us. Verse 23, David replied, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, my brothers, you must not do that with, underline these words. What the Lord has given us. See, David's back in tune with God. He could have said, What we took with our great skill in the military. No, he knew. He knew exactly how he got all this. He said, No, we must not do that with what the Lord has given us. Look at the next word He has protected us and handed us over to the forces that came against us. David is now thinking correctly. Why? Because he's back in relationship with God. He acknowledges that everything has been recovered is for one reason because of God. You know this verse, James 1:17, every good and every perfect gift is from God from above coming down from the fathers of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. The last thing to write tonight I want you to write is this. Everything we have and everything we are comes from God. Everything you have in your life tonight, your health, the people around you, your friends, your family, the goodies that we have at home, everything we have, Comes from a generous God. He's a generous God. He loves to give to us. And so David is, has learned a principle that I think is important. He declared something. Basically, he's saying there's soldiers and then sometimes there's supporters. There's people on the front lines and there's people behind the lines. And what is David saying? The people behind the lines and the people in front of the lines, doesn't matter. Same. Same. They're working together as a team. And I just want to remind you, that's the same principle that we operate here. There's a lot of us, not that many compared to the number of people, but there's lots of us that are always in front of you. And many of you are background ministries tonight. Most of you have never been, and I can't invite you there. But if you went upstairs in the second floor up there and went in there tonight, and you'd see all these TVs and all this computer stuff, and, all the, and they're getting everything and putting the PowerPoint up and making sure this and the sound is right, and somebody over here doing the sound, and later we've got somebody doing the Spanish and heading it off here, and somebody's making sure the Roku's right, going out across the way. That's all behind you. You don't see any of those people. All you see is us, me, tonight, right up here. Well, who's more important? None of us. We all flow together. And that's what David was saying to these men. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute now. We've been together as a family. We've been a team. These guys get tired and whatever they're doing. Some of are protecting our stuff behind us. Cut it out. So I just want to say for all of you that are behind the scenes, thank you. You make this place happen. You make this place happen. So that's exactly. That's right. That's right. You don't even see them. They're trying to balance your clapping tonight to make sure it's not too loud that it goes out of whatever. Praise God. Look at verse 24. David replied, he has protected us and handed us over to the forces that came against us. Now, who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of who went down to the battle. And all will share alike. Who's going to do that in the end? God is. When we're rewarded, God knows how to reward us perfectly. Just relax. And David made this a statue, an ordinance for Israel from the day to this. When David arrived in Ziglag, he sent some of the plunder to the elders of Judah, who were friends, saying, here is a present for you from the plunder of the Lord's enemies. And if you want to have a lot of practice, you can just read all those cities that are right there that he sent them to. Now, what was he doing? David was sending the spoils back to friends in Judah. What was he trying to say? He's trying to mend the relationships. Remember, he left Judah. He's trying to mend the relationships back again. He's trying to say, he's not saying it, but he's, I backslid and I've been living among the Philistines, but God has prospered me against the enemies. And so what he's trying to say is, I want to mend our relationship. What does David Really trying to say, it's never too late to start doing right. It's never too late to start doing right.
0: In today's message, Pastor Mark taught about what happens when you go from being in the frying pan right into the fire. David came to the limit of his own wisdom with disastrous results, which drove him to reach out to God once again. You were told about the need to pray for your leaders because they want to serve God the best that they can and lead you to increasing godliness. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This concludes another portion of the story of David's life. Next time, Pastor Mark will take a look backwards to the beginning of Saul's reign. You'll hear how Saul failed to learn the lesson of relying on his own wisdom as a result, lost his kingship as well. You'll be introduced to two equations, Saul plus God and Saul minus God, and what the solutions to each are. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.
1: In a hurry